Jason Moses, the prophet O'Toole. Yeah. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Number three. Is this what radio feels like? I imagine this is what OJ feels like in his day job. He just gets to put his feet up a bit more and play some... What is it? He plays like a... It's just pop music, doesn't well, it? Well, I don't know. What do, the, what do the boomers do? Does he actually use records? Or is it all is it the mp I'm assuming it's digitized at uh, this point. I hope so. <laughs> I can see him kind of just pulling he's, a record out of a sleeve and whacking it down. He's throwing some comedy skits in there, too. I've listened to his radio show on Road Trip before. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he has a good time. Okay. He apparently has a decent amount of American listeners because he's like, what, midnight or something to like 4 a.m. is his show. So it's like perfect time for Americans uh, to tune in. All right, well, that's important because I wanted to make sure you were still referred to as the prophet. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) the most important part of all of that. Yeah. But like, I think OJ is maybe a really good starting point here. It's great to have the uh, the big man back on stage. Yeah, we love it. He's uh, he's so he's so good at what he does. It's actually like it's watching him when I was uh, when I when the final started, just watching from the box it was just like the guy just knows what he's doing. He's got just the stage presence about him, right? And, and it's, it's, weird. it's effortless. Yeah, which, which makes it even more impactful. I think when he goes out there, he doesn't think he's being him. I suppose that's the same with us when we're doing our job and the desk and everything. But like that to me is OJ. Yeah. Like his aura he has this like commanding presence when he comes into yeah. a room and even though it's not like the same way as it is when he's on stage you know he's getting people with are you ready but he comes into a room and like oj just you know everybody's trying to everyone pays attention what, yeah yeah everyone like has got like a magnet to like what, what he's about to do and what he, what's going on in the room around him yeah and he like because of that it's like every time i see him we just talked about this on the cab very briefly Every time I see him at an event, I'm like, okay, the big guns are here. You know, like the big guy's out. Like, this is the important event. If OJ is going to be there, you know it's a big event. Yeah, and like he flies in after the radio here for two <laughs> days and flies out. Like, I was going back into the elevator last night, maybe about 3.30 in the morning. Well, I guess it would have been this morning. And uh, he was leaving then. Yeah, he was like, packing his bags. He's already on the way. And it's like, yeah. man, he just comes in, he gets it done, and he gets out. But... Uh, I, I liked him starting to innovate a bit, you know, getting the uh, different sides of the crowd The here. three-pronged crowd Never approach. seen that before. No, that was new. Is that his, like Bruce Buffer now? Is that his... Uh... Yeah, I think so. I think okay. he should start trademarking it because you never they... know where esports is going to be in five years from now. Maybe they should start a union, you know? A couple yeah. of them there. Sure. Just <laughs> I, I just find it hilarious that he just rolls up in that like, ESL varsity jacket for like the first two days. Yeah. Well, he put, he put on the, the double-breasted. Yeah. yeah, well, he asked me on the finals day. He was like, should I do the varsity jacket or the double-breasted? I was like, it is the grand finals. Maybe throw on the jacket. I, I asked him if he has a new blazer. He just kind of laughed. I think that's the same one he's been rocking. It's probably his esports blazer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Special cabinet for that one at home. Uh, but no, I think it was fitting to, to obviously have OJ here for, for being back in Cologne for the first time since 2019. We've obviously done that storyline to death. But um, one of the other things I noted was um, I was just sitting there on the wall last night looking at looking at the Dom with, with Parler and he was in the thick of it the entire time, right? He smashed it. Yeah. I, I can't sing Parler's praises enough with, with the crowd work he yeah. was doing. But uh, the mega fans, it's, it's hit a different level. Like, it's not just mums with their 16-year-old boys. You mean, like, the, the, the groups of, like, team fans, like, the big section? I just mean in general. Okay, yeah. I, like, the amount of jerseys. Like, because I like yeah. walking around, I like walking in. The amount of jerseys, like, we were in the shop. Yep. We saw how much stuff was getting sold. It feels like we're at this level where, you know, we have a very broad fan base for Counter-Strike. You yeah. know, the teenagers who are playing it, who are loving it. Yeah. But you look at the, the, the generations. There's people of all ages who are watching it. I met plenty of people... Young, middle-aged, I won't say old, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to condemn anybody to that camp, <laughs> but everybody loves Counter-Strike, right? And it, yeah. that was, it's really cool to see. And it always blows me away to see the, the, you know, the just amount of people who are into watching a video game in an arena. Yeah. My, my parents were here uh, this weekend. Um, so before the shows each day, I was meeting them for like coffee and lunch or, or coffee and breakfast and just walking around like this, the city with them jerseys everywhere esl merch everywhere like it was great i think the important thing about it too is it's nice seeing all those jerseys because it's cool seeing fans become a fan of a club or Mm. a brand or a team like you know like a lot of counter-strike so far has been like you're a fan of this player we haven't really been able to get allegiances to the different organizations and Obviously, the first step of that, not to get too business side of it, is like the long-term player contracts. So this player is going to be locked in for four years. So you're a fan of that player. And during those four-year contracts, you're going to transition to a fan of the club. But I think it's super important that we actually have fans in, like, you know, the German fans, the big march that there was on Friday. They paired it up with the Astralis fans who are also here. Um, And obviously, we had, what, the Golden Hornets back in Antwerp. And now we have the, the Roaring Bears, which are the big fans. 
And then obviously we had we had the guys in the sombreros from Star this weekend. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, there was representation. Re- <laughs> Tapson made sure that the, the Germans were on board with the Movistar. That one did come to to a close, but yeah, that it's such a. I don't know. I feel like we're in a position now where things are changing a bit, right? I made one of my dumb tweets yesterday, like I always do. I was like, "This isn't esports. This is Counter Strike, right?" Yeah, but that the was inten- nice. but the intention of that is just like. Uh, Getting pigeonholed is like esports. Yeah, okay. Like tennis is a sport, but when I talk about tennis, I don't say, "Oh, you know that sport with the rackets." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I talk about tennis. And like Counter Strike now has been around for so long; it's its own thing. And I just hate being lumped in with these. Like, no offense to all the other games. Like you're, you're cool and all and whatever. Like do your own thing. Yeah. I don't care about you. But I don't like being lumped in with all these things that like some tos just do use esports. Sorry, not tos. Some game developers just use. Uh, the esports marketing as marketing, yeah. right? Counter-Strike's never been about that. Like Valve run the events. Uh, I used to think it was marketing. Maybe it's a branch of marketing, but it's like more the care branch where the people who like Counter-Strike like watching the best teams play. That's why they put the majors on, right? Yep. But without the ESLs, the Blast, the Star Ladders, the PGOs, everybody in the, in the past, right? Like Counter-Strike wouldn't be where it's at. It's not just driven by Valve. It's driven by, you know, everybody wanting to run TOs because the game's loved. And I, I think that's why, like for me, I don't. I we're we're our own thing. Yeah, we've transcended that kind of like that that part of the esports thing, and it's especially like one of those things where you know, I know there's a lot of flack that gets thrown around at Valve for not being more hands on, but it's obviously one of those things where. I mean, if it's just part of a marketing budget, like eventually that budget just gets slashed, right? So we've been able to kind of like build our own pillar of, of funding and build, build our own pillar of these events that have, that have looked great. So yeah, I'm with you. I know, I know exactly what you mean. I love the conversation. It's like, I want Valve to do more. Look at the TOs who do more. Well, not the TOs. I did said it again. Look at the game developers that do more, right? Um, and and think, about, think about what what control they have and, and how they have to restrain everything. And think about if those... Or if those if those developers ever, like I said, just pull funding out, then all of a sudden there's nothing. There's and no grassroots to support it. There's no companies who can come in because the developer has their hands in everything, and then all of a sudden you just go back down to zero. And how do people know what the right answer is? Like, yeah. do, what a Valve experts at running tournaments? No, ESL are right. You know, all these yeah. other tos are right. So when you think about it, and you go, well, let's let Valve make all the decisions. I'm sure they're more than happy to let someone else make some of the oh, decisions yeah. and see what works. Yeah, I've, I've said this for a while. Like, I have to imagine those guys who go and work for Valve and want to work on Counter-Strike are just like, they just want to be developers. Like, that's their interest. So let them, let them do what's best for it. And I think, I think honestly, over the years, I think they've they've kind of turned, I've turned a corner with them. I think they've done a great job with it, to be honest with you. The game's obviously in a really nice place. Other than the M4A1S, apparently. Is that still an issue? Uh, look, in People every, are still finding in, that to be an issue? every, like, YouTube <laughs> video of any Counter-Strike content, there's this, they're yeah. just, there's just the copy pasta just every, every single time, every yeah, single yeah. time, which is fine. Uh, look, the meta at this event, very CT biased. I think it was only Inferno, let me check the stats here, that was T-sided the entire time. Yeah, and, well, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if you noticed it, I was kind of keeping my eye out in the group stage, I forgot about it kind of once we got to the playoffs, but I didn't notice a whole lot of switches back to the M4. No, the, I the thought A4. there was going to be more. Yeah. I, I made a couple of, uh, broad claims at the start that I thought we would be trending in the direction of more A4 didn't didn't seem to be the case I think Twists was maybe one of the only real players rocking it and that could have even been map dependent because I swear I saw him using the A1S at certain points too and unless he was getting dropped it or whatever but well it was Navi yeah. I think it was Blade right who kind of mentioned I think a while back where he was like he was talking about how the M4A4 would be better in certain situations if you're like a bombsite anchor, mm. but if you're the rotator, the A1 would be better because you get to come over, you kind of need the precision shots because you know where people are, and then also your position is harder to reveal when you're, when you're rotating, but that anchor needs the extra bullets. And I don't even think that came to fruition with Navi. I don't even think that philosophy is really put into practice in any way, but at least he was mentioning it. Yeah, I think we saw more orgs come out from Navi than, than A4s to supplement that, right? Because yeah. the org, yeah. Anyway, we just got into the nitty gritty of the Counter-Strike talk here from talking about Valve. So I don't know how we got there. <laughs> yeah, that happened quickly. But uh, I guess one of the, the keys of this one was uh, the fact that Cologne becomes the most watched non-major CSGO match of all time, right? Yeah. So Katowice earlier in the year for them broke that record, yeah, I believe, and, and broke it already, and did it again, and and that's crazy, right? That's, what did the uh, viewership end up at? That's on HLTV. Uh, with a, this is as per HLTV.org with a peak of nearly 1.25 million viewers. That ain't bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, we take that. Yeah, and uh, I think you know we've obviously had majors which have just set records within itself. Uh, what was it? 2.8 million. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. crazy. 
Um, and, th- and that feeds back into that conversation that we were just having about Counter-Strike kind of being its own beast, right? I know how it works on Twitch, you know, it just builds. And when people see it going further or into overtimes, more viewers come just because they want to be a part of whatever that hype or spectacle is without completely understanding. But let's say of 100 people who come and tune in in that fashion, if one person likes what they see and they come back to Counter-Strike, yeah. Like that's it. That's what we want, right? We want to we want to be able to convert people with how close these games are, and and just the nature of maybe they don't really know a lot, but it's a first person shooter. It's quite easy to understand, and there's always yeah. so much hype. Like, I think oh. what, I think what's nice about it too is like I know when just from you were obviously casting, but during the grand final, I mean, when you have grand finals like this that are so that are so incredible, and obviously they had what like there were four really really close maps in the best of five, and the, even the fifth one. I think that was Mirage was, yeah. was still relatively close moments. for most yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I even saw casters from other games as we always do during majors usually, but like people from other games even have the respect, like, holy shit, like how this game is fucking awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, which helps obviously with some cross pollination between games and just general esports fans checking it out. So yeah, it's all, it's all positive. It's all good. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I know that the best of fives, not everybody's a fan. And I can understand why, because it's very long. We started at 4 p.m. It was yesterday. It a seven and a half hour final. Yeah, we finished at like 11, right? 11, something 11, like 30, somewhere, somewhere around. And there's like a 20 minute break between maps three and four. So, you know, you take that into account and between. So just of gameplay, yeah, it was still very, very long. And I know not everybody likes the best of five finals and that's fine, right? Yeah. But I think this is, maybe the reason they don't like it is because everybody remembers the Astralis Liquid era or they remember Navi just dump string G2, right? And those are not exciting. Those you're like, well, it's a 3-0. We may as well just have this in a 2-0. And I understand why people like that. But I think when you get the Katowice one that you and Matt did earlier in the year, you get this one here when they're close. Yeah. When it's like this, the Fnatic versus FaZe one all those years ago and yeah, Katowice yeah. as well. When you get those, that to me is what you want from a best of five final. And I have always been of the nature that in these biggest of tournaments... Right, maybe for a smaller one, I don't think you need a best of five final, right? But for a big one, a Katowice or a Cologne, I would even say a major, but that's obviously up to Valve. Um, that if you can get the two best teams in the world locking horns, you can go deep and you can keep high level Counter Strike, and you want to have the whole map pool tested, yeah. right? You want it. You want to see who you want to is really truly find out the, who the best. champion is. Yeah. yeah, and we did it over five: 16, 13, 16, 13, 19, 16, 16, 9, 16, 14. That right there is what yeah. you want. That is exactly what you want. You don't want a 16-4 into a 16-9. Like, this is it. That's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, but I think, you see, I'm, I lean more towards the, the anti-best-of-five camp. Okay. Um, I can speak for that crew. I, but even I, I recognize, like, you know, I, I like having events like this, the championship-level events, Katowice, Cologne, best-of-five. But also, you know, Dallas was a best of five too. We, yeah. don't, we don't need those smaller events. And like, it would suck if like Lisbon and for Blast was having best of fives. So I agree. I think the best of fives just need to be used in the right moments more than anything because it is a lot of Counter-Strike. But I mean, I mean, just, just so to play a little bit of devil's advocate there, you know, you've listed off what, like five best of five finals that were that were nice. I think yeah. there was one in Sydney that was a good best of five. I think yeah. it's hard to go back in time and think of like they're truly great best of five finals. I think we've had a few, we've been fortunate with it. Um, recently, and I think another one that you could point out was like Epicenter in 2017 between SK and VP. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a pretty cool best of five final as well. But it, there's there are a lot that fall flat. But I think more than anything, they're they're great at events like this. They're great at events in Katowice, and you even see it when you go back to some of the the best of threes, like the Boston major that broke the viewership record at the time. Part of the reason is because that game goes on so long because yep. there's so many overtimes, and a best of five gives you that length of time to build the viewership without requiring a ton of overtimes, which is great if the teams are competitive. Yeah, I'll put on my uh, shill shoes for a moment as sure. well, right? Like there's, there's definite uh, conversation to be had for the people who are paying for the tickets to be there, right? And I actually saw some reasonable conversations on TV forums about this. Holy hell. Because there was a lot of people who were saying, oh, I don't like it. And there's a lot of people saying, I do. And then there was a lot of people who were explaining the whys, right? Like yeah. if you're going to go to an event for a weekend and you go there for the grand final and, and you want to see these teams play and the final could be over, uh, in two maps really quickly. And yeah. you're not really getting value for money as far as entertainment goes, right? Whereas here with this, if you do get entertainment like this, okay, that blows expectations out of the water. Right. But imagine we went four maps and they were a little bit more one-sided and you still got four hours of entertainment, right? Yeah. You'd feel like you got value for money there. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But there was a conversation. And look, I, I'm, I, I don't watch fighting. 
I listen to podcasts about fighting, okay. which sounds ridiculous, yeah, yeah. but I like to grab a lot of the common themes of the way that they talk about things and kind of bring that into the way that we have our discussions. And uh, I listened to Chow Sonnen, who's a, a famous uh, UFC fighter, or at least he used to be, and now okay. he's a pundit. And um, he talks about, well, maybe this is, is Rogan, but we're not allowed to talk about him. <laughs> um, but uh, either or, they talk about like Mike Tyson and how like he was so dominant that people didn't want to buy tickets because he was going to knock the out the round, It was yeah. over so quick. Yeah. Because like it was so top heavy. Like the cards that they would have in boxing, people don't watch the undercards. They're just there for the main event. Yeah. And then like if I would be over and it's like, well, you know, why did I just pay this much money for this ticket for 60 seconds worth of entertainment? It's, it's just not value for money in that regard, right? So I, can, I get that. Yeah. I remember, I think it was one of the McGregor fights. I bought like the uh, Chilling at Home. I bought like the $120 yeah. Amazon pass to watch it. And it was over in like the first round. And I was like, well, I did spend two hours watching all the hype content at least. <laughs> you know, it is, it is, there is that vibe to it. And I think it's important, like the, that, that in arena experience, as you mentioned, having enough entertainment to, to bring value to the ticket. And I think it's just, uh, Best of five is nice. It gives you that time. And no one's been able to truly figure out a way to do it without a best of five, right? Like, I know we had the show matches for a while that were always poorly organized outside of the caches. That we needed, that's the thing. If we yeah. could have more show matches themed like the caches, yeah. or if we could have proper all-star show matches, like th- one where I think the player the one, actually cared. Yeah, I think the, the caches was obviously the best show matches we had. And then I think Blast did a really good job at Lisbon. Okay. They had, they had like the Portuguese yeah, superstar yeah, yeah. team against like a conglomeration of the pro players that were there that was cool but you'd really need like a hardcore fan base for that there's been a little bit of uh like i know esl in the past that some say north american events have had like collegiate and in denmark as well Mm -hmm. i think that's a bit of fun um but i think i think that there's work to be done in that field and the i think the major would be the best if any to listening wants to do this as the major this would be perfect but have it so that the players are genuinely incentivized to play in an all-star match so like put a sizable amount of money on the line or something that they can take home to have some form of pride about winning. Yeah. Because I don't want to see them running around with revolvers. Yeah, yeah. I think that was fun at the last major. It was fun. I was entertained right, by the right. silly antics because they were actually getting up to some hijinks. But like imagine if the biggest events of the year was an all-star match and maybe you don't get the team's players in the grand final. Or maybe you get a couple of other big names and it's just kind of like an FPL match yeah. where it's high stakes. Yeah. Well, I think you'd need one, One, I think, a, like a third party to buy the show match. Like, sure. what if you had, like, you know, I don't know, like, just shout out DSL, the DHL show match there we or go. something like that, you know? Um, but also, I mean, Rio would be a perfect place to try something like that, too, because you could actually, I mean, Brazil's an extremely passionate and involved fan base, as we know, but you could actually go back into the history and go get Kogu, go get sure. all the old school yeah, Brazilian yeah, yeah, yeah. players. But, like, you know, bring, even, even bring, like, Fallen and Fur and FNX and those guys and mix them up on different teams and have, like, actually some of the old school players up on stage that never got the opportunity to play in front of a crowd. I think they would they would go absolutely bonkers for it. Yeah, see what Kiku's up to and all those boys. That yeah. could be a bit of fun. Yeah, well, I think what they should do is, I don't know how they'd do this, but get Neymar on the phone and say, listen, mate. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Playing that might be right? easy. You want to come to it in an arena? We know you play football in an arena. Come, come he's do inv- this. He's invested in Fury as well, isn't he? He'd have like an actual what, incentive to do that. He, I know I know. he definitely supports the Fury of boys. I don't know what his relationship is. Yeah. Maybe something with one of the guys because they have to do some stuff in poker or something. Right? I don't, yeah, I'm yeah. not quite sure. But uh, it would be so cool to get because I don't know anything about football either. No, I, I don't like either. I know I know the rules. Yeah, uh, I don't follow it. No, I know? don't either. I just know Neymar's a pretty fucking big deal. Big name. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I know. So that would be cool. For and again, Brazil. exposure and cross pollination. Because this is one area where I think, for me, when I look at Counter Strike, and we're, I'm taking this in a whole new direction. But when I look at CS compared to like let's just say League of Legends, like Riot does such a good job of bringing mainstream partners sure. into things and bringing you know artists like bands to make music, and you kind of bring in fan bases from different sectors of the entertainment industry and that's one thing I think we miss with Valve is that assistance to help get get people in. And I think ESL is starting to get there. Blast is starting to get there a little bit. But um, it would be cool to have more of that cross-pollination. So I would love it if we ever got to the size where, say, like, Bring Me the Horizon would come and perform a song before, like, the final. Like, I don't know if everybody's into, like, the white boy, boy rage music like I am. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I think it would be sick to get a band like that. My dream, my, my dream would be Iron Maiden, Fear of the Dark. Okay, well, that's I think, really old school. I don't know who would cost more of these. Actually, it would <laughs> Iron Maiden would definitely cost more. I don't think it's even comparable. Maybe we just get the rights of the song. Yeah. We don't need the band. We could just. I had a guy come up to me actually in the arena. He goes, "Hey, at the moment on the German charts." There's this song. He goes, "Do you know Mallorca?" And I was like, "Yeah." And it was like, "Show me the thing." He's like, "Can you get him to play it in the arena?" I was like, "I'll ask." I don't think they can do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can, I don't think we can do it. <laughs> I was like, "Wow." 
but uh yeah i don't know how how i got there why did my brain bring that one out this it's um it's a bit of a croak in the voice as well. It was yeah. late nights last night. Yeah, late nights. It was uh, it was fun. It was a uh, after a final like that too. Like everyone's exhausted. Yeah. But there is like a feeling of like exhausted euphoria where everyone's just chilling, having a good time, saying your goodbyes, sipping on a drink. Yeah, the the hotel bar was was packed. Uh, yeah, you got the fans there. Yeah, well, and but the thing is, everybody like you said, everybody was out in 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 good spirits last night. Yeah. Um, and even the comments from the players, in a way, like Carrigan, I think, mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, the, the type of final it was. Uh, you had simple, I think he made a tweet about it being... Given it the, the hardest, hardest final, final he's ever played in. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's because the Counter-Strike stayed high level until the very end. Yeah. I didn't think it was going. I thought it was going to get a bit messy. Obviously, there was mistakes, right? Like There always are, they're, yeah. They're the first to be self-deprecating in that regard, right? Yeah. Like, even SDY, like, in the middle of the series, doing yeah, interviews. Yeah, I've, been, I've played horribly. <laughs> I've been making too many mistakes. But, like, that seems to be the theme over in the Navi camp, is even when I talk to Simple, like, he says the same shit. He's like, yeah, we're making too many mistakes. Maybe that's what Blade wants to hear. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it's, like, weird, because I don't, I don't know, as someone who like had to coach a team a team that generally tended towards negative i was always like stop focusing on the mistakes okay. like just talk about something positive you know try and keep the attitude and the energy up okay but this team is more like yeah we, we fucking suck <laughs> <laughs> we need to play much much better <laughs> i'm oh, just like whatever man. whatever works i guess you know yeah so um should should we reflect a bit on yeah, uh, how we got to the grand final first yeah let's go over the bracket so you did the movistar liquid game i did what did you make of that one there uh, that was, that was a fun series. I think, um, I was really, really shocked at how well Movistar held up on the big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I it felt like in that series, obviously in the phase series, I think it was a little bit different, but in the, in the Movistar liquid, I don't think we saw the inexperience out of the Movistar guys. I think, uh, I mean, obviously you had such crazy performance from some in that, in that event or in that matchup, Mappa's played very well. Um, and then deaths obviously took over on the third map. Um, I think I think part of it was those guys stepping up and playing super well and, and continuing their good play on the stage. And also, I think you saw some of the still liquid adjusting to new things and adaptations and, and some of the new concepts they were bringing in. Elige playing a lot of different uh, spots as well. I think Nitro even gave him some praise and said, uh, you know, Elige's had to learn some entirely new things. And I know from my time there... Um, one one thing that I've always carried forward how impressed I was with the Liege when we switched him to a new position on a map and he came in the next day with like 10 pages of notes like mm. just did like a deep dive into how Exile plays B-bomb set on Vertigo and it felt seamless like he just knew how to play everything I, I think as well like we've had a lot about this conversation with the Yukinda revitalization but I think for Liege's confidence too to get newer quote unquote roles or positions and then be able to perform to this level it's going to do a lot for him and that's a very necessary core component of this team i think uh, in that matchup uh, the map pool was really nice for for movistar i think that was probably the biggest issue for liquid and the fact that they pick into ancient as soon as i saw ancient and vertigo um, yeah. in the map pool i was like well movi they have a, such a good chance of converting this one here the problem for liquid was the ban of dust too right like that that was what we were hearing from them was was one of their strengths and yeah. to lose that um, it really stung yeah, one thing I saw with the map pool when that series started was going into that match, this lineup with Yekandar in it hadn't ever played Inferno. Mm. And that kind of scared me. Because like uh. early on in the event, you saw them kind of playing themselves into maps and obviously concepts that work well in practice don't always work well in official. So going into Inferno, I was a little weird. It was, I, was, I was a little worried just because I was like, man, they're going to be having some new things that they haven't been able to play in an official yet. So this could be sketchy. And it was. It was extremely sketchy. I mean, realistically, Movistar should have probably won the series 2-0. Yeah. In a way. The amount of the amount of save rounds they won on Inferno or low buy rounds that they won on Inferno should have broken the back of Team Liquid. So I think in one sense you can say they should have two owed it. Not really matter they won it at the end of the day. But also Liquid, that resilience was was great to see. And that was kind of the, the thing they'd been hitting the whole time is the environment, the emotional energy in the team was so much better with Yekandar. Like previous lineups of Liquid would have collapsed on that map mm. for sure. Well, I think for Liquid, there's obviously the murmurs about them wanting to sign Yekinda full time. Uh, obviously that's going to be a bit more of a between liquid and VP discussion, but I yeah. think he's going to be the key component to that team going forward. If they don't get your kinder, it might be very rough for liquid. I got to imagine VP is just going to fleece him. Yeah. At this point with all the conversation, if I'm, if I was in liquid, I'd be like, everyone stop talking about Yekandar for a bit, but stop it, being so positive. I'll, I'll leave my, my, uh, my C bombs off of the the spotify podcast sure um but if if uh v if vp wanted to save a little bit of face for their pr you know maybe 
Maybe yeah. do do a little bit of a solid here. Okay, yeah. Because they've just been digging themselves a pretty big hole in they've recent had a few, times. They've had a few issues recently. Yeah, whoever their social media manager is probably should be fired. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think... I, I like, You're right. They probably will. Yeah. You probably will. Um, but, yeah. Well, okay. Let's jump to the other quarterfinal here. Sure. Mounds versus Astralis. This was a three-mapper as well. Mounds picked up Mirage and made Astralis look very, very silly on that map. They're just the way they approached it, it was fantastic. Um, some really good moments and some one of the keys that for me was JDC playing up to a very high standard on map number yeah. one now look he did go missing uh, over into map number two of Nuke and then Ancient he, he kind of had a bit of resuscitation but I think in front of the home crowd important to have a good performance from him but they they, they were so happy just to have had that experience like yeah. Bemis and uh, sorry not Bemis Torji in the interview after he just had a smile on his face like he, yeah. he thoroughly enjoyed the fact that they got to be on that stage uh, going up against an Astralis who continued to kind of turn heads as they moved a bit further forward in the bracket. It was one map at least where they made it somewhat entertaining against Na'Vi. But I think this for Maus is a very interesting point for them because coming towards the end of the season, I think if they just got grouped or if they didn't make it out of the play-ins, There'd be changes. there was already murmurs of roster changes, right? Yeah. I've been hearing some things from, from down under, so I think you guys can probably put one and two together there of who that could have been involving. Um, but I think this is obviously bought, well, I don't want to say bought more time, but shown a bit of proof in the pudding. They will have to back it up. They can't yeah. just go into the next part of the season here and flop. Um, but do you think this is enough to unlock Maus? No, I think unfortunately this, when I was watching the series, it was like, this I don't I don't peak? think, I don't think Maus can do this again. Okay. I don't think I'll, I don't I don't think we'll see it to the same. I will say I think the biggest thing this was for Mal's uh, a testament to to the kind of philosophy of some of the ideas of bringing up the the academy players. Obviously, mm -hmm. I think I think Torji's the real deal. Um, JDC was very good. Uh, I was super impressed with Frozen as well as kind of I guess you'd call him the veteran of the team. Yeah. Because he's what like nineteen or something something like that. I it's, think he's twenty now. 20. I think he just turned twenty <laughs> yesterday. I think literally okay. just turned twenty yesterday. Perfect. Like that's crazy to think about. Um, but I, I do think if this team wants to kind of repeat these performances there's probably going to have to be at least one change. I don't, I don't really have an opinion on who it is at the moment, but I mean, I think Torji Frozen and JDC at this point have to have proven themselves relatively untouchable for the team. Yeah, I think Dexter kind of did a bit more proving of himself. Uh, yeah, I was actually pleasantly moments. surprised with, with some of the things. That clutch he had, man. Yeah. That clutch he had against NIP was, I loved watching that. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I think also for Dexter, maybe a bit of weight off his shoulders because he's been copying a lot from the community here. So sure. hopefully now he starts to believe in uh, himself a bit more. But Astralis, look, it's hard to get excited about Astralis. And I don't know why, because they went in against that game against Na'Vi. They got uh, blown out on Nuke, which was their map choice, which was a comfort pick. Like yep. they showed that they didn't really, they weren't really in a position where they could play the too many of the weaknesses. Um, so it was a comfort pick on Nuke. Their streak of seven, I think it was, got broken uh, to be expected going against Na'Vi, one of the best Nuke teams in the world. Uh, but then Mirage, they did make a game of it and that was through Farley and Config. Uh, now, similar question. Do you think that's bought Farley a spot here or do you think... Uh, they think that that one's destined to be doomed. I mean, I think I think Far Farley had the right read of it in the interview where he's just like I think during the group stage where he was yeah. just like, if device comes back, what can I do? Like, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I don't think there was any performance he could have put up on the stage that would prevent him from being replaced if device is the one coming back, uh, or if he does end up coming back. So. I, I was happy to see them get kind of uh, beat up a little bit on Nuke because I was hoping and praying that this Astralis team doesn't have some kind of crazy run that makes them feel like everything's going in the right direction okay, and change, change their change their plan of making making different roster decisions. So I don't I, I have the same boat in this one as I do with Mal's where I think this team just if your if your goal of, as Astralis is to win trophies and get back to the top, you have to make some changes. Yeah, device. Look, if they can get device, I don't know how they can get device. It'd be the craziest reunion. Yeah, you have him come in. If you can get that form of config, we had this event. Great. Blame just still continue to play at that form. That becomes very scary. I wonder though, like device is kind of a trap for me though. You think? I don't know if I would expect device to come back as like the same player he was. Like, I don't know that if he'd is be the same very, player. Yeah, but like, yeah. How old's device? Let's have a look. I it's, think he can't be more than twenty-five. Yeah, he's. I mean, that whole Astralis score was twenty-six. So yeah. I was wrong. He is more than twenty-five. That's how maths works. <laughs> it's okay. He's still young. He's still got plenty of time in his career if he, if he wants it. I think the bigger thing is like he's never been known as like the aggressive opera that we see having good impact right now. He's always been that fundamentally solid opera. And I guess the question would be if you're Glaive and you're Blame F, um, 
do you actually think that style of opping can be impactful enough for you? Sure. Yeah. Like, and there was a conversation as well going, is this kind of the beginning of the end for Glaive now that Blame's calling on Mirage? Mirage. Yep. That always happens. Yeah. Starts seeping into other maps then. And especially when you have someone like Config, who's obviously buddy, buddy with Blame F, like yeah. there can be like a real philosophical rift there within the team. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to, they probably have a lot more problems than they think to work out. I think too, another trap is the, the increased performance of Zipix who always seems to have a jump in performance during his uh, contract years or when things sure. get tense with his place on the roster, but then regresses to the mean afterwards. I understand that. Angle. So I think there's some real tough decisions that Astralis has to make coming out of an event where you saw a jump in performance from multiple players. There's definitely players on the market who are Danish as well. Like They have a very strong either up-and-coming next generation yeah. uh, of talent. That, the thing is, Astralis always seem to miss the boat on the players they should sign. Yeah. So they'll probably sign the older players that they shouldn't sign, and then it won't right. work. But you never know. Maybe things will work out for them. Now, I just want to touch on Movi here quickly before yep. we get into more of the grand final discussion. What I really liked about Movi, uh, maybe in the same way with the Astralis semifinal, is they gave uh, hope of a competitive matchup, right? You had that ancient game with that the, the comeback, at least the belief yes. in that. You thought, oh, the, the fairy tale is going to continue here. Now it got snuffed out by Twist with that, that clutch, right? That was sick. He had but a lot of those this event. Didn't he? I think yeah. he was definitely one of the most impactful players of the in entire... The grand final, it yeah. was crazy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Movi embraced the stage. They were mm -hmm. at the crowd. They were getting them to, you know, on their feet. They were, they, yep. and that right there is obviously the personality of the Spanish. Maybe not deaths so much, right? This guy doesn't. <laughs> yeah, do a he lot. doesn't have any reaction. But the rest of them, and that's they got the fire in the belly. And having players who embrace that, right? And yeah. sure, Sampaio didn't have the best of games when it came to that series. He he'd already done his hard like well i don't want to say that like it would have been great to see him have another good one right but all in all i think this team like if they can do you think they're in the same boat as mouse right you said that mouse you think this is probably it I do think, you think mavi are legit i think mavi are legit in what they showed and i think they can probably get better i, th I think i have more faith in mavi star being able to carry this forward than i do mouse okay i think i think i saw more things and i, I think i, I really liked the, the creativity of mavi star that they had um, obviously, the lack of any kind of quit, even approaching any kind of quit, was really amazing to watch as well, with that, especially the comeback on Mirage, as you mentioned. But I saw more pieces, I feel like, in the Mavistar that made me confident that this is something they can build on. I'll tell you maybe the, the best thing about Mavistar, I mean, even outside of you know the, how deep some of the some of their impact went across the entire roster, I really liked watching their coach, man, like yeah. behind him. Like, that was, that was great. Yeah, he's actually kind of uh, carving out... Um uh, personality for himself like yeah. publicly right I, I, because coaches normally don't have that much of an identity and it's yeah. hard for us to give a big identity because we don't know what they do behind the scenes yeah. but when they're there and they're commanding right and it's like you have to respect what he's doing because you can you can yeah. see it and you you assume something's going on it's not a leggy running to the front of the stage right and hyping get, up the crowd you know but he's there and he's there's there's different ways that you can get into kind of that interaction and i i liked it i think movi were entertainers and i think that if they can continue to build on this base they have, maybe they can start to become a bit more of a mainstay. Yeah, I would, I would, I would really enjoy that. I mean, especially because, like, I feel like in the playoffs there were maps where, like, especially in the phase series, Davi, uh, Davi G had that one map where he was a god, like hard carried them. I forget, was it? I think might have actually been the ancient run. Um, but then, I mean, obviously in the quarterfinals against Liquid, Deaths had that incredible third map. Sanpeus was incredible through all of them. Mappas had his impact in that Liquid series as well. Um, I think. What we saw against FaZe, I'm trying not to judge the players too harshly because I think that was just such an incredible disparity in where the two teams are at. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. we had this whole discussion, right? Number one and number two in the world and yeah. then everybody else outside the top 10 within the playoffs. FaZe, they won the best of five, maybe one of the best best of fives of all time. But before we talk too much about the game and uh, maybe a bit more on the analytical side, I want to talk about the importance of figures like Carrigan for this next step up, right? I was okay. talking about mega fans or like the, the new generation of fans and they, they're people who, you know, they're, they love Counter-Strike. I was going to say they, they're unashamedly Counter-Strike fans. Like that, but, <laughs> but I mean it in a sense that it's to a point now where this is its own thing, right? It's got its, it, it's, got its own orbit. Counter-Strike is huge as, as we, saw, we spoke a little bit earlier. But personalities like Carrigan are the reason that this game can go to the next level. Yeah. Because the way that he is not only in-game leading, the best team in the world on a stage he is still playing with the crowd with the fans at home giving yeah. us their entertainment in the same way simple does i think that they're both very important pillars for where the game is at right now yeah and they're the, they're the front men of the team right carrigan obviously loves it right but then you look at like twist when he gets fired up this is the thing this is the thing about these stage matches and this is why we love counter-strike on the stage is because when you see those moments and you have 
12,500 people roar yeah. and they get up on their feet and they win an unbelievable clutch and then they show some personality about it and everybody is blown away by that moment. You get the goosebumps and you think, mm -hmm. how the hell are they doing this in the most high pressure match? And then they even have the personality to come with it. That's how these stars are born and bred and yeah. people become fans of these teams. And I think that like Carrigan as a personality is going to help take us to that next level. Think yeah. about this, the narrative that he curated for us coming into this event. Yeah. He did it for us. No, that's that's the other side of it is it's not just the in-game stuff. Like Kerrigan obviously knows very well the entertainment buildup and gives those great interviews and, and always gives a soundbite. When we're working with him on media day, he knows exactly what to say. He knows exactly where we're trying to lead him for the storylines. Like that, the fact that he's able to deliver on that is is incredible. And I mean, yeah, even in the arena, even in the arena, not even when anything crazy happens, maybe just a stare down at the camera. Like the crowd blows up whenever Kerrigan looks at the camera. Um, and it's And it's huge. They were the fan favorites as well. Yeah, which surprised me a little me bit. Me too. I'm not going to lie to you. When I heard the roar of for FaZe, it was, it was pretty, it was way, way bigger than Na'Vi. The sense I had was that it was going to be Na'Vi. Yeah. But uh, it's curious that it was FaZe. Regardless, it doesn't matter. The, the, when you had the back and forth of the Na'Vi chants into the FaZe chants in the arena, and this isn't with OJ getting them to roar, they were doing this on their own volition. Yeah, on their own. And that was, it was a wave of sound yeah. just going back and forth. Like that was mental. And then like post the final win, obviously Carrigan does an interview with HLTV and uh, the, the first question that's asked here is, uh, first, I am Cologne win for you, another big milestone in your career. What is it like to finally get it? Carrigan goes on to say, if somebody would have told me eight years ago when it was Cologne and Katowice that I wouldn't win for uh, win one for eight or nine years, but would win I am Cologne, I am Katowice and a major in the same year in 2022, I would laugh. So yeah, amazing performance, amazing team, amazing support in the arena and what a final. I think it's the first time a best of five final finally showcases what it can do with two of the greatest teams. Yeah. That's the first answer he gives in an interview post. So he is, Carrigan is a genius. Well, I think, I think the key to Carrigan more than any other player is that we, that we have, and there's, there's a couple in there, but I think with Carrigan, you see a player who is not afraid to fail, mm. which is like a really kind of cool concept to have as a player, just because he's done it so much and he understands it. Obviously he understands failure. He knows it very, very intimately. So when you get to these situations, like, you know, we, we, like you said, the, the way he helped us build this up by saying, you know, if we don't win Cologne, this season is a disappointment. And it's obviously not that harsh, but that's like something that we can grab onto and be like, look at the way he's putting all this pressure on yeah. himself. So then you don't get to have this kind of an epic moment when they win if you don't kind of establish the stakes before it begins. So Kerrigan just did a, a perfect job and he's, he's done it. And also look at the way too, like Kerrigan has caught so much flack throughout his career yeah. for his ability as a player, for like fragging, even though he might be a good in-game leader, watching multiple teams lose faith in him as a caller. Um, and the fact now like that he's this kind of a personality out in front of it, like no one cares about that shit anymore. Yeah. Like we're just like, we like Kerrigan the entertainer and Kerrigan the brain of, of FaZe, the in-game leader. And like no one even really cares about his in-game performances anymore. So he's done a great job of insulating himself moving forward. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, when you're leading an international team like this and one that is full of big personalities that people love, like yeah. there's not a single player on FaZe that is disliked for any reason. Not a single one. I can't think of it at all. Like Rops, no. Rain, no. Twist, no. Brokey, no. Yeah. You know? None of them are disliked. Yeah, that's a good point. They're all very likable personalities as it is. Yeah. Right? And and the way that they conduct themselves, very, is that you can trust this with Na'Vi. Like, Simple has the bad boy aura that's kind of followed him, and then he, he tried to, to deal with that, and, you know, and he, he definitely had his moments once yeah. upon a time as we all do right mm -hmm. he's still a young lad Very young. um but I, I think now like you look at simple and the man that he's become that is remarkable in itself but sure. simple's always going to have that baggage that follows him for whatever reason for those other players i just listed it's not really the same well and also i simple has that different target too because he just is the best player yeah ever like there's always going to be just a ton of eyes on everything you do and uh, he's he's hit that critical mass i don't even even kerrigan with all his successes hasn't hit this yet but kerrigan is, or i mean excuse me simple has hit that critical mass where everything he does is content for someone else yeah everything wants to take something he has and a journalist wants to write an article and overblow a situation youtubers want to take what he does and make videos out of it to get you know you once you hit that critical mass where like you you are able to generate thousands of other people content like everything you do is going to get scrutinized to an insane degree yeah i i, I think uh i think they did a good job as well on the navi side to to not detract too much from the sdy situation they never were once like we have a stand-in 
Yeah. They never were once kind of making that excuse, right? Uh, they also said they wanted to stop FaZe from getting the Grand Slam, right? Yeah. That comment's been made. Well, they're one step closer now. There's still a chance. They for get Navi five to, more chances. But that's the thing. And Navi if they, if they do it five them. more times, they get 250 bucks each time. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Maybe that's good for now. You know? <laughs> they can do that and They're playing the, the long game. Yeah, they want a bit more cash money trying to fleece Intel here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that as well sets us up for more storylines. So that's kind of the nuggets going forward is we now know who the best team in the world is. Like, uh, Phaser just lost it in the HLTV rankings yeah. just before the, the playoffs. They get it back now. I lose my bet to Striker and Pimp, so I'm going to have to pay that one out at some point. I think I've still probably got about 90 days to come up with the money. Okay. Uh, so I'll <laughs> so go and look under some pillows. Charity you're starting is going to yep. take a little bit of a hit. Uh, so that will have to get sorted. But the, the thing here is we go into the player break now, knowing who the world number one is, undisputable, indisputable. Especially because both teams said it as well. When yeah. Yanko and I chatted with them leading into the playoffs, both teams were like, yep, this decides who's number one. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. To both teams. And and this this is why this final like has so much behind it because I don't think we've found ourselves in this position too many times before and it's actually played out like this. Yeah, I was actually, I don't think there's any way to find this out, but even if you just go by HLTV rankings, I don't think we've ever had a final between the top two teams where they were so close in points. I think they were divided by like 30 some points, 37 points. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, the Antwerp final, comparing it, right? Like there was an aura. Maybe a lot of people at home didn't have this aura. We kind of have a bit more insight, right? And yeah. there was an aura around Na'Vi that the team was going to change before the event had even started. Um, yeah. Initially, the rumor was it was going to be electronic, electronic going as opposed to Boomich, and then it ended up being Boomich going, right? And obviously, this is to do with the whole situation going on between Russia and Ukraine right now. Um, and but, Boomich and his wife. Yeah, Ex-wife. well x something uh but yeah they they were able to you know at least mend it and this was about the navi resurgence like the storyline couldn't have been painted better right we didn't do deep history but yeah. if we did deep history come out of the pandemic navi show they're the best team in the world with the crazy rookie a bit they come in they win their major yeah. you know then they go forward that for the tail end of the year they're the best team the year starts phase made the roster change bring in rops you know the the star that carrigan played with in mouse they are now reconnected they go on they have this really rough start to the year with rain and rops being out with COVID and jks having to stand in for either of them in this they take it away from navi because the war kicks off then phase for the next portion become the best team in the world go on to win antwerp over navi who are still having those struggles we just talk about navi then go and try and fix all their internal issues that are happening they then plug in sdy they win lisbon they're looking hot yeah. they're looking like they're the team that you all love simple still in fantastic form and you come into this God event form. you get a best of five final the two of them on a collision course not dropping the ball and it's exactly what we want you couldn't script this any better right no. you could do just a documentary about the last 12 months yeah you really could it would be a sick feature as well it'd it's be, so it'd good. Be amazing yeah and it's yeah, I think too, it just like the everything coincided to work perfectly, like the dip and phase after the major and Navi's kind of resurgence was just like so time timed so well. And again, just not to not to harp on it too much, but the conversation that both teams were kind of having, like even Navi just being like, Yeah, you know, this is nice, it looks good, it's not good enough. We're looking at Cologne and Phase just saying, you know what? Yeah, we, we are hitting a rough spot. Um, but you know, it's all part of the process. We're not able to devote as much time to prepare for these smaller tournaments after the major. Our eyes are on Cologne, our eyes are on making history and when we get there and we're gonna peak and obviously they live up to it as well so that's it's disgusting how well this all this all this like we scripted out. it yeah yeah we did well in some way we they, they they did it for us and we just kind of had the pen to paper yeah but it was a 3-2 final it went for the better part of well we started at four and we finished at roughly 11 so uh, and maybe an hour of breaks in between maps and everything like that yeah. so like six hours of counter-strike yeah so. pretty damn good yeah. uh simple picked up the mvp for both ESL and HLTV, uh, which for the event, yes, he was the event MVP. For the grand final, if you were to isolate the grand final, surely give it over to Twist. I would give it to Twist, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. I was singing his praises consistently throughout that cast because even in games where FaZe weren't winning, he was still having some of the most impactful rounds for them. Yeah. Like the double kills or like the, the you know, he started the series with he, a triple kill on the pistol round of Inferno. That's how the series started. Yeah. And also one thing that one quality that Twist has that has been always been so underrated, I think, is like, no, because no one really talks about it because he's got so many other strong parts of it. His clutch ability is mm. unreal. And it's it's funny watching him clutch too because he plays to his strengths. He plays to his mechanics and his aim. He's not the smartest clutcher in the world. He's not going to like outbrain or outgame anybody. But like, I mean, he knows that his aim is is 
head, head and toes above everyone else. I love the head to head. Like every time him and him and Bit had a duel, it was like yeah. a shot bang dead. Like one yeah. of them would just go down and, be, and it was so good. Yeah. I was like, this is sick. And then uh, Brokey stepped up as well. Right, like yeah. here, he did, like I thought maybe early T side of Inferno, it was a little bit shaky from him, right? But then in the rest of the series, he just was a force. Ended the series uh, as the highest rated player alongside Electronic. I, you know, I actually, as you said this, I just looked down at the stats. I would have never guessed having just watched the game that Brokey was the highest fragger. Crazy, right? Yeah, I would have not, I would have never guessed that. It felt to me like it was, Twi I think Twist had the most impactful rounds. Yep. But this is the thing, and there was the conversation about FaZe going into the grand final, just that the team spread, right? How even it was of the team spread of yeah, all was, these four names. It was the wide team of FaZe, the deep team of FaZe, I should say, versus the superstars of Na'Vi. And they both delivered, right? Yeah. Simple did get a little bit quiet there towards the end of Nuke. Uh, Mirage, they probably could have used him a little bit more so as well, right? If he wins that one on three in the early stage of Mirage, that yeah. might be a like a real backbreaker. Dude, the way Rain played that, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, the fact that he just had the nerve to just sit there and wait. Uh, you know what and I noticed? And use time as an ally. I, I, I noticed that the crowd, it didn't seem like they were giving away much. Like, yeah, they all. were very restrained this event. Yeah. I think there was one one time during my game when I, for, I forget exactly what the play was, but there was one time where someone had some trigger discipline in that semifinal that could have like gone for a knife or was holding for like a double kill. And I only noticed it once that the crowd really started to ramp up. But outside of that, throughout the throughout the playoffs, it was all well and good. Yeah, and and that's great. Like that just I think once again I will just dial back to this attest to the keys of Cologne is the fact that it's a crowd that loves Counter Strike. Yeah, and the thing is when they're cheering then they know it's a save when they're cheering for the veto. They're Counter-Strike fans. Yeah. They're not here just to watch a video game in an arena. Well, we had Homeboy, they know what's going on. Homeboy was doing case openings before the grand yeah. final on his laptop. He was holding it up. I, we were, I was watching up with, uh, with Effio, and we were wondering what everyone was cheering at. And I was like, oh, I think that was just... Uh, you know, a player poked his head out. And then I went to Reddit and it's just some dude opening like a, an op skin on his laptop nice. and everyone went wild. That's so cool. <laughs> there were, oh, the, the signs as well, that everyone, there was a lot of sexually explicit signs. Yes, there was, which I, I actually enjoyed that. Yeah, look, I, look, we have a- we Alex have a did a great job with, uh, with Kareem Pius. Oh yeah? I liked that a lot. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of your favorite- uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, desserts. Yeah, yeah, look, there was, someone did a, I think production did like a, there was a, a a lady in the audience and she held up a, a sign in back-to-back um, -back days i think one day it was like uh rob's is, is rob, rob single, single and then the next day it was like carrigan are you free tonight or something like this Ooh. right um but they edited it with carrigan's reactions yeah. so the sign comes and he kind of like pulls that face yep. you know that you know like the and gives the nod and it's on reddit and then the next one it like cuts back to her with the sign like blowing a kiss and yep. he's like Doing the, doing the, the, the eyes thing. It's so good. It's such a good edit. And it's just like in good fun. It's, ah, oh, I really, really enjoyed some of that. But we had a guy dressed up as Jesus. Yeah, that was nice. I, Henry and I actually, oh, Henry was here. Yeah, Henry uh, G. Henry G made an appearance. We were walking to the arena one day before the grand final and Jesus was walking alongside us. So we, had a, we had a little bit of a chat, <laughs> me and Jesus, just hanging out. Yeah, he was having a good time. He even had a, uh, a Bible with a cutout for a flask in it. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, he was sneaking some whiskey in. Oh, it was only whiskey? I don't know. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe it could have been vodka, but in my mind, it's whiskey. Vodka to me smells like hairspray. I don't yeah. have great memories of that. Vodka's disgusting. Yeah. Whiskey, though. Yeah, whiskey. Yeah, all right. Um, tequila's not too bad either. But uh, wait, 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 we're talking about this final. We kind of, I got, I got a sidetracked. I'm great at the derail. Um, yeah. So I guess we can just quickly trot through them. So Inferno, Inferno, it, it started. That was the map in the grand final of the major where Navi had like the fake comeback. Yeah. But the issue for them was the CT side was pretty weak. It started out slow, didn't it? They, uh, they the major. Down, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, at the major. And here as well. But they, yeah. they got activated late. And it was Carrigan's game plan early that was really cool. Again, right? It was in both. Because I'm reflecting on both the games. Um, and I think, uh, the, again, Carrigan's game plan is it's always immaculate. Well, it was, it was also, it was cool to watch that too, because I know when we had, when Yanko and I talked to Simple and SDY and then Rain and, and Kerrigan before, before the playoffs began, like the entire conversation that Simple was having was like very different stylistic teams. And mm -hmm. he's like, it's always fun playing against a team like FaZe because they're very explosive and like very hard hitting. And, you know, they don't do like the very, they don't frequently do, although we did see it in this finals, that slow map control style that, that most of the CIS teams like so that's what i noticed in those first five rounds of inferno in this grand final was just like explosions onto the bomb site that just didn't stop once contact was made and just navi had no chance to even go for retakes they were just shut out of rounds yeah i, I think uh, that game did look 
it was a close match and I think it could have gone either way here. Like the fire starter for Navi and that was that simple round over towards with B deagle. with the Deagle, yeah. yeah. Uh, then you go to overpass and then the same kind of thing happened. They win that force by round after Twist wins the massive clutch. Yep. So Symbol gets like the scout kill onto Rain and then they keep coming B into the five sevens. Five sevens were Vogue this event, mate. They they were getting so much love. They've been coming back slowly but surely. Uh, I think the more they get used, I think people remember how good they are and especially... well, 20 just, bullets too. Yeah, the, I was going to say the ammunition that allows you to just kind of jiggle and take fights differently. Like, you know, when you got that deagle at a certain point, you kind of got to commit. Same with B250, but you got 20 bullets you can just spam while moving back and forth yeah it's it was, like the ct tech nine yeah well the tech nine got a lot of use as well especially yeah. once we got to nuke right ancient so we had the massive comeback from face that yeah. was 11 rounds straight to take us to ot Dude, i was laughing so hard that was such a classic comeback navi fails to win a single round they lose 11 straight to get ot and then they win the first two rounds of overtime classic. and it's just like what are you guys doing yeah <laughs> they're the ones that hurt the most i know they're the ones that hurt the most but like that right there, I think, is a great testament to why maps that are one-sided can still be entertaining. Yeah, it's it's like a it's it's kind of like an old school philosophy that I think is like kind of shifted is that we don't need, you know, seven maps in the pool that are all break even. It's nice sometimes to have the hardcore CT maps and the hardcore T maps and say, All right guys, let's play to your strengths. But here's the thing, Jason. Some of the newer people have grown up in the world of participation participation. Partici yeah, participation. Like yeah, trophies. Participation trophies we didn't grow up in that era so when you and i used to play nuke and yeah, we, train and yeah. we would be happy with three rounds on the t side yeah we, we knew what that was all about yeah uh so so to see that here manifest uh it shows it can be exciting it shouldn't happen all the time no uh, it, but it, it, it doesn't happen exciting. all the time that i mean how many times do we see 15 four comebacks That's like so you, crazy. it just doesn't occur so crazy uh, and it was just like twist playing beast mode i feel that's what we're going to do here is mention twist a lot yeah. i think mirage was a was a bit of a different story i already mentioned the one on three that simple could have won on that a site but it is crazy to me they picked that map after the woes they had against astralis just the day before well kerrigan mentioned that in, the, in an interview right before the final didn't he? he said like you know i think we kind of we kind of worked him on the veto a little bit with this mirage we prepped for it heavily we know what we're doing on it and uh, again just like it's so nice to have an in-game leader willing to be bold and talk like that or yeah. just a, figurehead for a team talk like that and then actually prove it in the server because i mean you say something like that and then you get smashed on mirage like it's a different conversation a lot of people shout out to config like a lot of people can talk the talk and it's always nice and it's fun uh but you do have to back it up once in a while yeah and and the prep showed and, and not even the prep so much for me although obviously obviously great i think what, what was really awesome about it is uh just the mentality of the phase team to be able to bounce back not only after losing two maps in a row but after making an 11 round comeback and then yeah. failing in overtime that could have been a real collapse point potentially the, the fortunate i would say in that moment they get 20 minutes to reset to go fuel up and i did yeah. have a chat with carrigan about best of fives earlier before the playoffs right just yep. outside the hotel with the four days off and, and we had a chat and i was talking about best of fives and his experience in best of fives um and he was saying you know he's worked out after playing so many of how to manage his energy properly right yeah. how to conserve and when to have the energy drinks to make sure he said to me and i don't know if that was the case this event but he said to me in previous ones that he doesn't want to do prep on the day because he knows the game's going to be so long yeah that what he wants to do is he wants to sleep three hours looking at demos and stuff you're exactly just gonna, yeah think about how long of a day that would be yeah. oh one thing i did notice going into that final map i made a tweet about it it probably is going to get i didn't do enough detail and i should have had it with a clip that's my own fault that people will probably misconstrue what i was uh saying but they had a camera on um when the players were in the backstage area chatting before the final map and in a shine the analyst for phase has his laptop out and it looked like he had like a gnosis or a shadow gg or something like that up and had right next to rain and was chatting to rain one-on-one -on -one about what he needs to do while the rest of the team was in a huddle talking about nuke yeah. and he was the that's the key matchup for me because if people forget the grand final of antwerp uh, Rain was the MVP and he was a monster on Nuke. He was a monster on Nuke. I think that's the, like a map where it goes, yeah, okay, there's no doubt this guy's the bloody MVP. Right. He just mauled them. And that matchup right there between Electronic, it's not just Electronic, it's obviously simple as well. Yeah. But that's such a key matchup. And look, it, it, it doesn't seem like the defining factor when Twist has two back-to-back -back rounds where he just cracks the A-bomb site open with that play. Yeah. But is to me, it is such such a key to, to show the detail now of an analyst just before the game, taking him aside and saying, look, you need to look out for This is what you're going to see. This exactly. is what you're going to encounter. And it's the mind games of what are they going to adjust? How are they going to adjust? And, and the layers to that. 
and it's refreshing it because again you're going deep and you're going into five map it's like he probably knows that at the start of the series but like tired exhausted emotional are you you need to get that that last one clicked in yeah this this nuke match for me because my prediction before the series was three one for navi but if it goes to five phase wins and a lot of that was off the back of kerrigan and for me the defining moment obviously you just mentioned the two rounds twist cracks open the bomb site to call back to back what was 14 13 and then he calls it at 14 for 14 the same tactic essentially uh that that fast on top of mini and drop in towards mini um Apparently, it's called oh. Canada, that strat. Okay. He tweeted and said that's what's called Canada. Yeah, because he puts Twist in the, uh, the position. Also, I would, wonder, I would wonder if Twist brought that over from Liquid, because we had pretty much the same tactic when I was in Liquid. It was a liege doing the drop on towards okay. the roof. So I would wonder if he was just like, give me that. That, yeah. that looks like fun. It's so crazy how but to call that, hear him. to call that twice and back-to-back, that's, that's why I thought FaZe would win in five, because Kerrigan, as an in-game leader, just isn't afraid to fuck around. Like, yeah. he's, like Electronic's not calling that tactic yeah. at 13-14, uh, you know? I would love just to get a still of Twist mid-air above electronic like that right there that moment electronics pushed up close yard and twist is just above him and electronic doesn't hear and then twist drops again and gets to kill on the main guy and the main guy's not looking either yeah well like, i how, mean how that's also that's also well two things i think obviously the pressure of the moment uh the crowd for electronic would be probably i would assume pretty loud at that point because the crowd at that stage of the game is just non-stop yeah there's only two cheering. rounds of play yeah, left or yeah um but also i mean the communication just can't get there in, in time and he probably didn't even necessarily know where he was killed from yeah yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. you think that player, he had, what, two seconds to get the communication over and react properly, and he's probably getting nades thrown at him from the upper bomb site from Squeak Door and everything. So, yeah, it's just... That's that's the difference between Counter-Strike Online in a studio versus in an arena with 15,000 people. Yeah, and that's why we love it, right? Yeah. That's why we love it. But uh, I, I guess maybe a bit from the Navi side of things, right? SDY for me, uh, I think he was handy for somebody who hasn't been in this environment before. Now, look, the stats don't do him a whole lot of justice over the course of the series here. Yeah. But I think he definitely had his moments. He had lots of impact on pistol rounds, uh, had a couple of key gun rounds. Um, Bit was exploited on Nuke, I thought. And this is the first time I think we've really seen uh, the rookie of 2021 have a, a rough go. Like he had really a pretty bad, rough yeah. go. Yeah. Um, not a great day at the office from the third star of the team. And Perfecto also went missing on Mirage. So they were lacking the third star there. And unfortunately, as much as people probably want to put it on SDY or Perfecto, you have to put it on Bit just because he's meant to be the third star. It's his job. He was holding a key position of the map and he was getting bullied. Like the fact that that was part of Carrigan's game plan to test the new headshot machine that's that, that's a testament there to where they think a weakness could be and he definitely he definitely crumbled right there's still obviously a lot of years to play in his career but he was he was a pressure point yeah and i, I think too certainly with with that with bit i would agree with that i think towards towards nuke i, I feel like i just watching it and i mean this is take it for what it will just watching it the sense that i got was that this navi team was starting to really crack under pressure yeah like real like even even simple i think took some peaks that i wouldn't i feel like i wouldn't normally see out of him kind of a little bit desperate i think we started seeing a little bit more frustration i think was it bit who actually like punched his monitor at one point during yeah. the series yeah never yeah. seen him do that before. no i haven't either um so that was early as well yeah so i think we started to see that whole facade of navi just crack a little bit uh which which you can expect and i mean look that's for all the talk that we had about teams like mouse and mavi star and they're inexperienced we, we kind of do forget because of how good his rookie year was that bit is pretty damn inexperienced yeah well this is the thing we we hold them to the highest of standards right yeah. the bar is set extremely high for these guys now this is the thing we we set that bar and then history happens and then that changes how we look at these players right yeah. or how we have the discussion about them going forward i don't think this is is, is going to be too much of a mark it's obviously no. you know a, a mark um it's also now simple right how do how does he regroup and bring this team back together is it just okay a bit more time with sdy do we go into next year uh, next season now with okay well we've got the blockbuster matchup we need more of that right yeah. and does it just continue because let's say we get to the next big one is not until the major right we've got blast groups pro league pro league they, and then- pro league's likely to be a studio event as far yep. as i'm aware and then after that rmr is the major and then the showdown in the major yeah so if we get like them going toe-to-toe in the major final again then it's just the continuation of this matchup this could be an awesome rivalry yeah if it delivers in the way that liquid astralis couldn't because astralis was just too dominant that is great right like yeah, we, get, like it would get a little back and forth and who's winning what yeah like if the next one's won by navi and then we go into the world finals for blast at the end of the year and it's the two going toe-to-toe that could be really cool 
do you do you want to see SDY continue in this lineup? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that he fills a very nice void in the team um, because he's just going to do his job. Yeah, I and feel the same way. I think people will say, well, that's what Perfecto's there for. But I think that you kind of need two players like that to f- because you have Electronic Symbol and Beer. And it, it's if you just add about- another star player, then things get clunky. Yeah, and I know that you could, people go, oh, but what about, what about uh, FaZe? Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that SDY can't have a big performance, right? He was a he was a beast on some of the maps throughout this tournament, right? I, I, yeah. Not so much in the in the final, but um, he definitely had early early. He was very good. Even the last map, Nuke, which was the most high pressure, he had twenty four kills, just under Electronic with twenty five, yeah. and Simple only had seventeen. And as I mentioned, SDY had impact on pistols. He had that massive four K round from Squeaky Door. Uh, I remember too on, on Nuke, especially he was providing a lot of entry kills. Yeah, he was getting a lot of opening kills for them in, in T side rounds where they were they were especially towards the end of that half where they were really struggling to uh, to put them on the board. Yeah. All right, let's let's focus in right now. We know who the best team in the world is. No yep. question that it's Phase. Now via the clear number two, everybody else in the pecking order still needs to recoup, get their shit together. The off season is about to happen. I think we're expecting a couple of roster changes for the likes of G two Vitality. Maybe there's a couple of other teams who should probably be making some changes as well, but we'll have to wait and see how that one comes out in the wash. Uh, the world rankings for HLTV will get updated tonight. I'm sure ESLs will not be too far behind. FaZe are definitely going to be securing that top spot. Um, but as we look forward to the next season, what are we? what's the anticipation? What are we setting up? Is it really just the Na'Vi phase head-to-head here, or do we have anything else that we can get excited about? Uh, well, I mean, just pure, purely for North American Counter-Strike, obviously Liquid's finally given us a reason to be excited and interested about a North American team. Uh, and especially, I think all eyes are going to be on that Yekandar move and where he's going to go is probably the big big roster change that everyone's going to have at the top of the list. I think there's going to be some contention for Yekandar. Mm. I think I think especially someone like Vitality is going to come in and probably make an offer out. If they don't, I think they're crazy. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I think that Navi phase is probably the biggest thing we have to latch onto just because of the way it, Cloud9 really collapsed and screwed up this event. Uh, Ents collapsed and screwed up this event. Heroic collapsed and screwed up. So the conversation around so many other teams that we had uh, has to be negative. Yeah, yeah. I Look, I, this, I think that there's like a lot of big moves that could be made here if teams want to spend money. I think G2 should approach NIP and try and get hampers. That'd be sick. That's I'd like that. I don't think there's a chance it happens, but that, that'd be sick. But that should be a tweet. I should tweet that. You should tweet Let's that. Let's get that out. That gets some interaction. Maybe yeah. do it right now. Uh, look, I think that otherwise, if, if that G2 doesn't do that, then I think NIP should replace uh, Plopski and Essatag and try and get Crims. some upgrades. But the thing is, if you don't get Crimson Device, then don't re- replace Essatag and Plopski. If you can get Crimson Device, then yeah. do it, right? Uh, I really like the look of this OG team now. Obviously, we saw them with this roster yeah. because uh, Dexter got to stand in for Mantu and now Mantu's gone. Um, Vitality, you mentioned, yeah, there's there's murmurs about their changes. Cloud9, they have to just find themselves over this break. Same as Ents, I think. They have to find themselves. and they, they might have to come back from the break a little bit early, I would say, to start setting themselves in the right direction. Cloud9 probably need to have like a real come-to-Jesus conversation within that team. Yeah. About about how this is all going to go. Cause Who's going to do it, though? Because Nafani's... Pro- I don't mean this in it a... It has to be Groove. Yeah. Or yeah. Hobbit. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. It has to be Groove. Hobbit doesn't seem that real confrontational kind of guy, though. With but me. they are going to need to call each other out on their bullshit, right? Yeah. Because they're, now they're, running, they're, they're flogging the same dead horse here with a lot of the They approach. probably need to have the same conversation Mal's had before this event, which is like, hey, do we really like the way that we're playing this game? Do yep. we really like the way that we're finishing rounds? Do we really like the way the tactics are being called? I think Maui at this event has been harping on Nafani, and for good reason, and I think that's he's kind of turned me on the corner of um, something strategically and tactically within this team needs to change. And I don't know if it's a roster change of swapping Nafani out mm. um but i think definitely you can't ever have an event where you have two of your star players are both in the top five of the event and you get knocked out yep no that's that's fair uh i think the other key for me is the on-ramp to the rio major mm-hmm. and who's going to be the best brazilian team uh we just saw sure. neckers leave pain i think that furia maybe need to have a conversation as well are we happy with the roster now do we think we can make an upgrade yeah, who's Furia's even peak. available I think like Dumao is a player that people should definitely be looking at within the region here if they wanted to make any changes. I think he just that he's signed a stud. Them a nation, didn't I know, he? but money, money let's talks. spend it, yeah. let's do it. Um, because like, I think like as much as it would be super sick if Imperial could get themselves up to that stage, it seems very very difficult for them to do that unless they make some roster changes of their own. So we're really turning to Furia to be the hope for the region. 
Uh, and it would be a real shame to have a major in Brazil without a Brazilian representative on that stage. Oh, that'd be painful. Yeah, so we need someone to, to really get that into motion. And there's plenty of time to do so. There's plenty of events for them to get into shape. Sure. But that needs to be where everybody's peaking, right? Blast groups, pro league, uh, RMRs, showdown, all of that needs to just be these teams getting in line, ready to go to Rio and show the best Counter-Strike. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it all, it's weird, like even just looking at this top 10 list right now, like I feel like probably 90% of them probably need to make a roster change if they want to contend with Navi or FaZe. Yeah, I think we would say Heroic can stay as they are. Yeah, right? we'll give them some more Haven't time. Haven't seen enough yet. Yep. But then like Cloud9 and Ents can maybe stay as they are if they can work out the new approach and the issues they're having, yep. right? But then outside Vitality, of that- Vitality, G2, Big, Furia, NIP, Astralis, what about this? Imagine Mantu to big, right? For Tizian and he's secondary orbs. Yeah, but I don't know if it works. I'm just talking about it. Yeah, yeah so I don't know if it works this either. Is a, we're, this is German Spotify, so yeah, I thought I'd yeah. type for the Germans. Yeah, right? that's fair. I, I still, th I just want to like, I, I don't know. I'm so hung up on the Searson thing with big. Like, I think actually, he actually showed that like his skills can translate to land. I think it's more of like an attitude thing in terms of wanting to be like the badass in the server. Yeah, the he, way doesn't he is have online. that aura about doesn't it. doesn't have that killer instinct yet. Um, but more than anything, like this isn't even like really Counter-Strike related. I'm just so hung up on the fact that he's just playing from home during all their boot camps. Dude, like, even no the fans way. were dunking on him. Yeah, like, that's no way to do things. When they came to the signing session, uh, everybody had like mouse pads or shirts, whatever, signed by Big. And I was like, wait, you've got everybody but Sirison. And I was like, where was he? And he's like, they're all like, he's at home in his bedroom. I was like, damn, yeah. like, even the fans are dunking on him here. But I don't even understand from an organization that has like so many people and players that are experienced that I respect a lot with like Tabson and Gabi, like how does your... How do you not have that as like a listen, guys? We can't we can't do this. Like you know, if you're if you're not even willing to be at the signing session or not even willing to be at the boot camp itself, if you just want to be in the comfort of your own home, like how can we rely on you on stage? Yeah, look, I don't. I maybe I, there's a legitimate reason yeah, that we're missing. Yeah, and I don't you, want to be too harsh and that's bash it. That's, that's where that's I was it. gonna go. Yeah, but the same thing is like if you are not in the German event signing, right? Yeah, what are we doing? This is fan service. Yeah, I know it's not anime. We're not looking for a little bit of skin but we're looking for them to show up and the yeah. fans are there. They, yeah. they love them. They love them, right? You know, whether they're on the stage or not, this is the ones who represent them in their favorite game. Yeah, you got knocked out in the group stage and you still had a fan contingent marching down the streets. You guys had the, the party. Yeah. They're the ones who had the party yeah, on Saturday they, night. Yeah. There was no after party last night. No. You want to be there to, you know, show your face, give them the, the little regal wave. A little love. But uh, speaking of waves, Jason, you think we're done? I think that feels, yeah, unless, uh, I mean, get a quick glance. Yeah, I think we're done. Yeah, any any um, parting words? No, nah, man, I'm just happy we were back in the links. This, this event is so awesome. Felt good, huh? Um, oh, maybe maybe one last shout-out, because we mentioned a lot of the, the things that players said on their way out of this event. Uh, and just because we talked about it in the first episode of this podcast, our boy Mapas. Yeah. Um, he had a nice quote uh, that said, playing in the arena was incredible, maybe the best experience in my life. Uh, which is really, really, really cool to see. Uh, and, I, and completely understandable for us who've been at this event for five, six years. I, I'll be honest, that is the most fun I've had doing my job, maybe ever. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, physically doing it. We've had a lot of fun you yeah, know, yeah. around Outside, the yeah. event. But I think physically casting an arena game, it dawned on me that that was the first arena game, the quarterfinal, that Alex and I had casted together for ESL because he missed Katowice, we won in Dallas because we both missed oh, it. Oh, that's right. Right? And oh. I think one of the things is, and I don't mind being candid about this type of a topic, I know that um, a lot of people will eventually get fed up of hearing us cast. That's just the nature of the beast, right? We've yeah. seen it happen before. It's going to happen again. Um, but, but I think it was kind of nice that we missed the events earlier in the year because we got very fortunate to get a, to get a game like this that, that really delivered. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope that... Uh, you know, I, I hope that the Counter-Strike in the future can deliver to that type of level because it's 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 mental. Yeah, I know this event as well meant a lot to uh, to Anders. I know yes. He uh, hadn't been back in Cologne, I think, since 2017 or 2018. Okay. I think he missed like, yeah, 2017, I think. So Long like, time between and, drinks. Yeah, and I know he w really wanted to get, this was an event that we've all, we all obviously hold in such high regard. So I know for him, with his own issues that he's tweeted about and, and mentioned uh, throughout COVID, this was like a really, I think this kind of relit a fire in him a little bit. That's great. That's yeah. what I want to see. Uh, Alex took a great photo of me and Anders sitting on the wall. Uh, yeah, looking just reminiscing. At, yeah, I yeah. think it was about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but that was nice. It was a nice event. It had a great feeling to it. I think um, I think this one is one that, uh, yeah, I, I won't forget for a long time. Yeah. All right. 
I guess that's it. Thank you for listening to another episode here. I don't know if Jason and I'll be back. Hopefully. Maybe you'll hear from us soon. Yeah, that'd be great. 